So uh, Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2 is where we're going to be tonight. Uh, you can go ahead and flip there. And if you don't have a Bible of your very own, we have Bibles uh, uh, in the seats here. And so if uh, somebody doesn't have a Bible, you can just pass them one down. And uh, if you don't have one of your very own and you're going to use one of our Bibles in the seats here, please just take that home. It's our gift for you. We would be glad for you to break that. And it is yours. So uh, Mark chapter 2 is where we're going to be. And you can go ahead and get ready and get there. And uh, we will land there in a little while uh, tonight. But uh, tonight what we're going to do is we're going to finish up our God at Work series. And uh, this, this has been a really fun series for me. And I, I've been able to sit in on some of the connection groups uh, throughout the city and just have heard some, some really cool things about people applying uh, the, the truths of the, the scriptures here that we've been looking at with God at Work. What we've been doing for the past three weeks is just looking at how our faith and our vocation intersect in such a way that God is glorified and that we have uh, uh, an impact. And so uh, I'm, I'm telling you, this is some stuff that I think is just key for us to have an effect uh, uh, that will last and be rooted and for us to really serve uh, Boston well. And so if you've missed any of those messages, go online, go to the website, thecharlesriverchurch.com, and then you can make up some of those previous messages, or you can just go on iTunes and download that as well. And you can have those uh, automatically put on your phone or whatever it is that you use, your computer, uh, every single week. So over the past few weeks, a few things that we've seen before we get into tonight's uh, content for, for today. Um, the past few weeks we've seen, one, that, that work is good, that it was a part of God's creation design. So no matter how much you hate work, it is, it is good. And God has you uh, created, intended uh, to work, whatever it, it may be, whether it's uh, in a vocation, a, a field for your career, maybe it's at home, whatever it is, uh, God's designed us to work. We also saw, though, that Work is good, but we also have to remember that work is very challenging because we're in a sinful world and a, a part of uh, being in a sinful world that is broken. Uh, work is challenging and it can be frustrating and uh, difficult at times. And I think there's, there's no doubt to that one. I think you could say amen, brother, preach it, right? So you're with me there. And then we also have seen that work is an opportunity for us to, to really glorify God and, and to see work as, as not just something that we do outside of maybe our ministry at home or our ministry at church, but work is an opportunity uh, for us to, to minister and to be agents of God's restoration. And uh, it's, it's a big opportunity for us to really become uh, culture shapers. That We don't want to just be you know, culture condemners or as that awful you know, saying, culture warriors. We, we want to serve, right? We want to shape uh, the, the culture. And so uh, tonight we get to close out by, by looking at uh, something that I believe is just crucial to our, our work. And what's interesting about the practice that we're going to look at uh, tonight is that it's so vital to the effectiveness of our work, but it's something that is done outside of our work, something that is done uh, outside of vocation. And in order for us to be more impactful and profitable and, and joyful and worshipful in our work, we really need to work on this practice uh, that takes place outside of work. And here's what it is. It's the practice of rest. We need to, we need to really hone in and, and think tonight about the practice of rest. It's done outside of work, but it's very, very important. And I, I'll just say this. Uh, I think I'm here tonight uniquely equipped uh, to, to speak into this. Um, remember the commercial for the hair club for men? Uh, the, the president of the hair club, you know, for men to grow their hair back, you know, is in the commercial with his hair nice and fluffed up. And w- you remember his saying? He says, uh, not only am I the president, but I'm also a 
member, right? And so I'll just, I'll, I'm not a hair club user, but I'll say this, that uh, when it comes to this, this idea of rest, not only am I the preacher, but I'm a practitioner. I'm, I really am. I'm telling you, uh, me, my marriage, my children, my, my ministry have been just deeply impacted uh, by the biblical uh, teaching of rest. And so I'm excited to get into it. Um, I'll tell you, my, uh, my vocation uh, started out kind of, uh, kind of challenging. Uh, it all kind of happened all at the same time. I, I graduated college. I moved to a, a new part of the country. I began my vocation. Oh, yeah, and just a little thing. I also got married all within, like, the course of two months. And so it was, it was kind of crazy. And uh, my vocation then, much like today, was, was starting a new ministry. And so it was very kind of entrepreneurial and working ridiculous hours. And uh, there were no, you know, nice systems to just slide right into. It was no... You create the systems, you make it work, this thing should grow, and just go for it kind of thing. And it was, it was very stressful. And so um, I, I, was, I was newly married, I was a very green pastor, I was uh, in a new area, had no friends, and I was trying to build something, and life was just kind of nuts. And so it looked like for me, I was waking up early, early, early every morning, working all day, uh, ran events by night, traveled a lot on weekends. And then my, my poor new wife um, was finishing up her degree. She was teaching. Uh, she was coming to every, I mean, every ministry event with me on top of all of that. And uh, somehow, by God's grace, she's still married to me. And um, it's not going to end, by God's grace also, um, maybe the way you're expecting me to end my, my story. It doesn't end with me crashing and just burning out by God's uh, grace. Uh, I was young, and I was uh, passionate, and I really thought I'm going to conquer the world, and I've got all the energy in the world, and I'm just going to go for it. And I think that's probably some of us in this room, that we're just like, I'm fine. I mean, I got energy. I'm excited. I'm passionate. I'm going for it. Nothing's going to stop me. Others of us in here, you are, um, you're pressing on in your vocation. Maybe you are excited about it, but you're exhausted and you're, you're tired, but for you, you just don't see how there's any possible way that you can slow down and, and, and you can rest. There's just too much to do. So here's what happened for me. Here, here's how it, it worked for me. Um, again, God's grace uh, stepped in uh, via my wife, and uh, it was our one-year anniversary, and we had a good one of those heart-to-heart thinking back on the year, and I'm just pouring out how amazing everything has been, and, and she starts to cry. And I'm, surpri- I'm thinking, I'm the perfect husband. We, we're, I mean, everything is amazing. I don't, what, what? You're crying? Those are tears of joy. I don't understand the frown, but well, I, I really didn't get it. Um, and what it was was that I, I was baffled. I thought everything was great. But for her, she was just tired. She wanted more time with me. Um, she was being brought to every single ministry event that I was involved in. And uh, she then proposed to me, how do you think we're going to have a family, Josh? How are we going to have kids if you just continue on at, at this pace and, and, and raise kids to love the Lord and to be uh, good kids? And then she also expressed her concern for me. Uh, she said, you know, I don't see how, maybe you're fine right now, but I don't see how you can go on throughout the rest of your life in ministry, Josh, just pressing forward. Like, I just don't, I don't see how it's going to happen without um, you burning out. And you know what this dope said to her? Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm just not, I'm like, wait a second, 
you, you have plenty of time with me. Like last Saturday night, we were at the soup kitchen together, right? And then we've, we've been at the church every night of the week together. And you sit in on my class with me, and you have, you have no idea. Being in the same room with you doesn't mean that I'm getting time with you and being refreshed with you. It's just, it's, it's different. And um, especially with some of the pressures that I, you know, that I was under, I was there, but I wasn't there. You know what I mean? And uh, she wasn't, you know, just concerned for herself. She was concerned for me. She's looking into the, the future and saw that this isn't going to work for you, for us, for a family, for a ministry even. And, uh, I, you know, I thought I had all the energy in the world, and I felt like it. And maybe you feel like it, but God interjected uh, via my wife, and I'm really, really grateful for that. Uh, we wanted uh, to have uh, a marriage and uh, a family and faith that would, would last. And so my wife may be little, uh, but she packs a punch, and she's got a, lot of, got a lot of wisdom. And so here's what I did. Knowing that I need to act, I call up this friend of mine. And this friend of ours who had been calling us and telling us time and time again, I have this cabin in New Hampshire, go up there and, and just have a great time and just refresh and rest, and that'd be great. And every time I said, oh, we're good, thanks, 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 thanks. And then my wife comes to me with tears, and it was time for me to act. And so I call up my friend and say, okay, I think it is time for me to uh, get up there. And so we got up there, and uh, you know what happened? We were there for a few days. You know what happened the first day of the trip? First day we get to this cabin, for me, was just detox, just straight up detox. I mean, I just had to fight everything within me to just want, I just wanted to, to work so bad. I had to fight not to open up my laptop. I had to fight not to be on the phone. I had to fight not to, to study for something I was getting into later. And I also, part of my detox was just fighting guilt. I had a, I had a lot of guilt, and guilt is a, and shame is often a, a tool of Satan in your life. And so I was fighting that, I mean, as if it was wrong for me to, to rest and to slow down, and I, I, I fought that. And, you know, that shame is a, kind of a, a tool that, that the enemy can use to destroy you, your marriage, your faith, and just burn you right out. And so um, after I, I detoxed for a day and a half or so, I began to, to start to learn how to rest a little bit, just start to get an idea of what it might look like to rest. And I remember for the first time, uh, since I had gotten my degrees, I, I remember for the first time I read a book for pleasure <laughs> on that trip. And it was awesome. It was C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. I remember being out in the middle of a pond in a kayak. And I think I read about three quarters of the book floating in a kayak. And it was, it was just unbelievable. Then Becky and I would take the kayaks out together and we'd, we'd ride around. And then we had long and strong times of prayer together and time in the, the scripture together. It was just really, really, uh, really a great time and really for me a life-changing uh, time because I was able to learn a little bit of, of what it looks like to, to rest and, and for my mind to, to, you know, to stop flexing and contracting and over and over and over and just working out but to actually slow down much like when you work out, you slow down and let your muscles kind of recuperate a little bit. I was able to do that, and the same for my, my, my body as well. And uh, I'm telling you, we, we, we strategically cease working and cease creating, and it has changed my, my life. And I, I pray that uh, tonight that would um, begin in you and in your, your life. We, we left our, our trip in New Hampshire with a real commitment and a real plan uh, to, to move forward with resting as a regular practice 
uh, in, in our lives, in our, our marriage, our family, our ministry. And uh, we, we said we're going to regularly refresh and rest and focus on the Lord in that time, focus on our marriage in that time, focus on our family in that time, and just cease producing, right? And I'm telling you, it is amazing, amazing, right? And here's the thing. I'm convinced that for me and for you, that if we don't really make it important and make it a priority for us to, to stop, you're going to be forced to stop because maybe your body's going to crash or your mind is going to crash or your marriage is going to crash or your children are going to crash and rebel. And I'm just praying that it doesn't have to end like that. I'm praying that you can hear God's word tonight and, and really begin uh, to apply it. It's not, it's not as noble as you think it is to, to work nonstop. You know how it kind of seems. It's very glorified in our culture. It's just so noble to, to work and work and work and work and work and work. But you know what? Refusing to, to rest is not honoring to your spouse. If you have a spouse, um, they need you to rest with them. Um, and I think that, that includes you who are unmarried in the room, by the way, because what you're doing right now is you're, you're, you're establishing the lifestyle that you're going to have the rest of your life. And so if you're not resting now, it's going to be very hard to just suddenly, magically turn that on when you're married. And so you need to start practicing that now. Same thing goes for your, your children. It's not honoring to uh, work so hard, um, refusing to rest. It's just not honoring for your children. Again, that applies to you without kids because you're setting that, that precedent. Uh, I was just reading a statistic that the, the Office of National Statistics said that the average working parent has 19 minutes a day of focused time on their child. Now, they're, they're, you know, they said there are other times like going to the grocery store with them, but you're not really focusing on them. And I think that's kind of those times that I thought counted with my wife, and it just didn't. And uh, I think that's, that's true for many of us. The average working parent, 19 minutes a day uh, with their kids and refusing to rest is not honoring your children. It's not honoring, catch this, we've been talking about vocation, not honoring to your coworkers. It's not. Um, because when you're not refreshed and you're not, you're not rested, it affects your mood. And you go to, to school, uh, so your coworkers might be your classmates, it might be somebody that you work with, you go to school in a bad mood, it affects your relationships, it affects the quality of your, your work, it affects, therefore, your impact. But ultimately, saying, I'm not going to stop, I'm just going to keep going, is, is not honoring to the Lord, because God sets that, that precedent for us. Um, he calls us to rest and to, to trust Him. So here's the bottom line, we'll get into... Uh, the, the scripture, the bottom line uh, for tonight is this, that if you want to see God at work, you have to work at rest. Can I say that again? If you want to see God at work, like we've been talking about, you have to work at rest. Here's what I mean. Nice little play on words. That, that you, you're going to have to work to find time to rest. It's not easy. Our culture is tugging at us all over the place. Do this, do this, go here, go here, there, there, there. And busy seems like we're important because we're busy. Isn't that funny how people like to brag about, oh, I'm just so busy. Like that makes you so important. It doesn't. It makes you dumb. Slow down. Stop doing all this stuff because it's going to break you, right? And it's not honoring to the Lord. And so we have to work at rest and be strategic and make it a priority and and honor God in that uh, so that we can... We can honor him and we can have an impact. Now, Mark chapter 2. You ready? Sorry it took me so long to get into it. Mark chapter 2, 23. I think I preached my whole sermon there before we even read the scripture. So, Mark 2, 23 through 27. And, and we'll read this here. This is, uh, this is uh, really Jesus talking about the Sabbath, right? Um, or, or rest. 
And, 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 and Jesus is, is really speaking to this for us, and I think it'll be helpful. Uh, Mark 2, 23, here's what it says. Uh, One Sabbath, he, Jesus, was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they, uh, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any uh, uh, but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man, that's his favorite name for himself, the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Okay, so here's what we have. Uh, a good little story for us, and I think it'll be helpful. Uh, Jesus is out with his disciples, and like much of his, his ministry, uh, he uh, brings upon himself controversy. And oftentimes it seems like he's trying to get it. And in fact, as, as you go on in the, the rest of the, the next section here, he, he goes and deliberately heals a man uh, on, on the Sabbath and brings even greater controversy on himself. But he's here, and, and controversy pops up. What's going on is, is they're going through the fields, and as they're going through the fields, uh, Jesus' disciples began to uh, pick the heads of the grain and began to eat them. Now, let me just qualify this for a second here. When we're t- because we're talking about, uh, about rest, it's important to note that, that, that the disciples of Jesus here, and Jesus himself, um, it's not this flashy, you know, like road trip of a ministry with, you know, big tour buses and limousines and Learjets, you know, to different stops across the country, you know, and they're, they're staying in private, you know, swanky hotels and eating lavishly. It's, it's not that they're out, you know, uh, doing miracles for money and then just living off of all that money and, and, and living large. They were not lazy. They were working hard. They were walking where they were going, uh, living very humbly. And so for them, it's dinner time and they eat heads of grain at the fields where they were walking by. And let me just make sure we get this, that this is not stealing. They're not stealing heads of grain. They're, they're eating it because a part of God's Old Testament law, uh, Mosaic law, his, his deal was kind of God's welfare system was that if you own land and you were planting there, that you left the edges of the field for people to come and, and eat off of or glean off of. So if you're poor and you're walking by, that was left there and not harvested so that you could have some, so that you could be fed. That's God's welfare system. He's good. He built that into the law. Uh, it, was, it was a way for him to provide also for foreigners who were traveling. And so God is good, and he provides in that regard. And so for them, it wasn't stealing. It was, it was lawful. And so they say, all right, they eat it. And guess what happens? They eat it, and guess who comes running? The Pharisees, right? This is that religious um, sect of, of Judaism, and they're out to nail Jesus. And here they're like an opportunity, and like sharks, they just jump on him, right? And uh, here, here's the problem that the Pharisees saw with what was going on here. That they, they understood that according to the Old Testament law, that, that work was prohibited on the Sabbath. As somebody could even be put to death for picking up sticks on the Sabbath. That's work, right? But I don't know that what these guys were doing was work, but they wanted it to, to be work because they wanted an excuse to get Jesus. And they, they said, okay, picking grain, you're, you're harvesting, you're working on the Sabbath, and you're bringing it up to your mouth, and that's a flex right there, and so you're, you're in trouble, and you have just broken the law of the Lord, and so the Pharisees said, ha, we got you, right? 
So what does Jesus do? He responds, and with his response here, I think we learn a little bit about this idea of Sabbath rest. And so what we need to do now is let's kind of pan out a little bit, because we're in the New Testament. Let's pan out and let's go backwards a little bit uh, into the Old Testament um, and, and think a little more on Sabbath, or what we in the New Testament call the Lord's Day Church, what we're doing now, right? And, and, and so starting with creation, um, and, and in this series, we've spent a lot of time in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, and, and starting in creation in Genesis chapter 2, verse 2, here's what it reads, we'll put it on the screen for you, you don't have to flip there, uh, but it says this, and on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So, God rested on the, the, the seventh day from his creation. Now, here's what I want us to think about for just a minute. Think about the fact that a day exists. We, we know that a, a day exists because that's what it, the, the amount of time that it takes for, for the, the earth to rotate on its axis. So we have a day, right? We know that a month exists because uh, that's how long it takes the moon to go through its phases and do what the moon does every month. We know that a year exists because that's how long it takes the, the earth to um, you know, revolve around the sun while spinning days on its axis. Uh, but why does a week exist? Have you ever thought about that? There's no kind of uh, natural phenomena that points to here's why we have a week. The reason week exists is because Genesis chapter 2, two right here, God created everything in six days. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested, right? So we have a seven day, because six day he created, day seven, he rested. Now, that, that word rested there, Genesis 2-2, in the, the original language is, is this word Shabbat, which is where we get the word Sabbath from. We know the word Sabbath. You can drive down the road, and you can see uh, the, where, where the Jewish uh, friends of ours will worship uh, on their, their Sabbath. And so that's, that's creation. Now let's move forward a little bit. God brings forth the, the Ten Commandments. Now, we'll put on the screen for you, Exodus chapter 20, 8 through 11. And I want to read that for you. Here's what he says in, in the Ten Commandments. He says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor, do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, a rest to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant. Now, that's not him saying it's okay. He's just stating here's how it is, and you should not have them working either. Or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord uh, made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And so now God has tied this, this law of the, the Ten Commandments to his creation account. Also, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15, it, it will point out for us that, that Sabbath is a gift from God to his people as they are coming out of slavery. Remember, they have been in slavery for generations uh, to the Egyptians, and they have been working every single day, seven-day work week, just on and on every single day. And so for them... Sabbath is a gift from God, and God says, no, you will stop, and you will rest. It's, it's going to happen on the seventh day of the week, Saturday, because that's when I, when I created, I, I ceased working, ceased my creation. It's going to be a day of rest for you. It's going to be a day that will honor me, honor the, the Lord. And then, move forward a little bit, Jesus comes on the scene. And Jesus comes on the scene 
God in human flesh, not just some guy with some new funky ideas, but God in human flesh saying, I'm bringing this to its fullness. I'm bringing it to completion here. It's going to be great. And, and, and he and the Pharisees start to just butt heads on this matter, don't they? We just read a little bit of it. And, and they accuse Jesus, you are breaking the Old Testament law. What are you doing? Now remember, the Pharisees went above and beyond the Old Testament law and said, we're going to make sure that nobody even comes close. And what they ended up doing in that is just unnecessarily burdening people with all these rules and regulations that are uh, extra biblical outside of the law. And so uh, they, they then began to butt heads with Jesus, but not biblically. They began to butt heads with Jesus on their own uh, account. Remember Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, that he has not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So he's not saying, all that's garbage. He's saying, I'm here to fulfill it. I'm here to fulfill it. And so under Christ, we're not bound to the Old Testament law anymore. Under Christ, Scripture says that we're bound to the law of, of Christ. Today we observe nine of the Ten Commandments. Think about that with me for a second. We observe nine of the Ten Commandments because those nine were repeated in the New Testament. And so we're under the law of Christ and we're going to observe those for that reason. Uh, what's the other one? Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath and, and keep it holy. Now here's the thing we need to remember about that commandment, however. That we need to look at that commandment and we need to be reminded that though it's not repeated in the New Testament, that the seventh day is the day for us, what we need to remember is that this, this was set for us as an example of the Lord prior to the Old Testament law being put into place, right? It was set for us as an example of the Lord uh, back at creation. We also need to remember that here as we're reading in Mark chapter 2, that Jesus says, I am Lord even of the Sabbath. And so what we need to know is that as followers of Jesus, we really believe he's God in the flesh, we need to follow his lead. And so he has the authority to say, here's how it looks now, right? I'm the Lord even of the Sabbath. And the other thing that we need to understand is that as you read through the New Testament, you can read in Acts, and you can read in uh, the book of Revelation, you can see that Christians then move forward and began to worship on Sunday rather than Saturday because that was the day of the resurrection of Jesus. And so for us as Christians today, here we are worshiping on Sunday under the example of the New Testament believers in the book of Acts and in Revelation. And because it's a remembrance of the fact that today is the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And so it's not just Easter Sunday that we celebrate his resurrection. It's every Sunday we, we celebrate his, his resurrection. And so I, here's the thing. I don't believe that we're as tightly bound to that as Israel was bound to Saturday as the Sabbath because we are under the law of Christ. But I think for us it's a good principle and it's a good example. We should worship on Sunday together. The New Testament calls it uh, the Lord's Day and we need to take it very, very seriously. And again, I'm very grateful to God. Again, I'll just stand here and publicly say thank you, Lord, for allowing me uh, to learn uh, that, that lesson early. That I need a Sabbath. I need a rest. I need to do it. I need to stop trying to be God. I need to stop trying to be Superman. I need to rest. It's very important. And I need to rest with God's people as is his example. Now, let's continue to squeeze some content out of Mark chapter 2. So you can look there. Look at some takeaways from Jesus schooling the Pharisees here in Mark chapter 2. We'll we'll begin to kind of round third base here uh, with just some thoughts on this one question. Why Sabbath? We're Christians. We believe the Bible. Why, why should we be Sabbathing? Why should we be resting? Uh, the, the first thing is this. 
First is that Sabbath is, is a, a gift for you to receive. I want you to see, much like the Egyptians coming out of slavery when God says, no, you will rest. I want you to see that Sabbath is a gift. See, a lot of us kind of are at this place where we're starting to see Sabbath as a burden. Oh, I got I to gotta stop. I got to go to church. I, gotta. I want you to understand it is a gift for you to uh, receive. What, is, what does Jesus say to the Pharisees? Look at verse 27, Mark chapter 2. He says, Sabbath was made for who? Say it with me. Man. Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So in other words, Sabbath law, it was, it was a gift for mankind. It's not intended to be a burden. It's made for you. It's for you. It's good. It's a, it's a gift, right? And, and, and so he's saying, you shouldn't burden my disciples uh, by keeping them from eating today and, and, and making them for the Sabbath. No, the Sabbath is for them. The Sabbath is for them. And then he, he points out this example of, of David in the Old Testament. This is a great example. And if you want to learn more about this, um, back in uh, Matthew chapter 12 is the same account, but maybe a little more uh, detail. And so both of these kind of chapters here in the Gospels kind of fill that out. But, but it, he gives this example of David when David is fleeing from King Saul, who's out for his life. Um, and he comes to this city called Nob. And um, as he gets to this city, he's fleeing for his life. He's hungry. And he says to the priest, I, I need some bread. Well, I don't have any. Well, I do have the bread of the presence. And so he says, give me that, right? And the priest gives him the, the bread of the presence to refresh David so that he could go on and to live out God's purposes and become God's king through which the Messiah, Jesus, would come. But understand that, that according to the law, that bread that David was eating was only for the priests. And David's eating the, the, the priest. But um, the law, understand, is for who? It's for God's people. The law is for God's people. And so uh, David is permitted here and God... Uh, Jesus, uh, God in the flesh here, says it's, he, this is an allowance. This is, this is okay, right? And he's saying to the, the Pharisees here in, in Mark 2 that, listen, you're seeking to burden God's people and say, don't eat. And I'm saying to you, it's an inappropriate application of the Sabbath law, much like uh, back then. He was allowed to eat. The priests let him eat uh, that bread. It was to refresh him, and it was for God's purposes, and that's how it is here, right? I want you to understand Sabbath is a gift for you. It is not a burden. It is a gift for you. And many of us, I think, tonight need to just say, okay, I'm starting to see this idea of Sabbath, and I want to receive it as a gift. I want to receive the rest of God as a gift for me. And I pray that you will leave tonight feeling freed to rest because that's what God wants for you. You are freed to to cease creating for a little while, like God's example. And you are freed up by God's grace, to rest. Now, let's keep kind of building this a little bit more. Uh, the next, next thing that I want you to see why Sabbath is, is Sabbath is a tool for your effectiveness. We've been talking here about how, how faith and, and, and work um, really intersect so that you can have uh, impact and effectiveness for the glory of the Lord and for, for the good of people. And, and listen, if you want to be most effective as a Christian in your vocation, whatever that is, you need to receive Sabbath. You need to receive that as a gift from God to you. Um, when, when Jesus in verse 27 says Sabbath was made for man, he's not just saying for you to take that self-centeredly. In other words, I don't want you just to say, yeah, Sabbath was made for man. It was made for me. It's good for me, and I'll take that. Yes, sounds good. 
But I want you to understand that, that by him saying Sabbath rest is, is made for men, he's saying that it serves men and women. It serves other people. Your Sabbath serves other people. So in your career, in your vocation, if you are refreshed in the Lord on the Lord's Day, Saturday or Sunday for us, if you're refreshed in the Lord in that, your Sabbath, then you then can go and you can have a greater impact throughout the course of the week because you're refreshed in the Lord. Remember we, uh, a few weeks ago, we started this whole thing off looking at Hebrews chapter 10, 24 and 25. And this passage is so important for us to really latch on to, not simply as a tool for me to guilt you into coming to church, as so many pastors just purely use that for, but understand that it says, do not forsake the assembling together, doing what we're doing right now, refreshing in the Lord, not just at home and resting, but here together, coming, making this a priority. It says, do not, that's a command, do not forsake doing this, but why? You go prior to that because when we do this, it says when we do this, we're spurring one another on towards love and good deeds. And so the Lord's Day, the New Testament Sabbath, right, Sunday, when we're doing this, it's our way, God's way of challenging us and spurring us on towards love and good deeds. And so this needs to become a priority so that we can become more effective. We're spurred on. Uh, For me, as well as, as a father, I have to understand, and fathers out here, you have to understand that your Sabbath is a gift from the Lord made for man, but not just you, man, but for your children. It's a, it's a gift from the Lord. It's, it's for your, your children, for your, your wife. My wife and kids need me to rest. You understand that? They need me to rest. They need me to re- refresh um, so that I don't bring all that um, crankiness upon them if I, if I didn't, right? They need me to rest. Your, your vocation, those people that you impact, they need you to, to, to rest. They need you to participate in what we're doing here. To, to be fed the word like this, to challenge each other, to spur one another on to love and good deeds. You need this. This is a part of uh, Sabbath being made for man. Not just you man, them man as, as well. And so I want you to understand that they, they need it, right? And so for to get a little practical here for a minute, um, Sabbath for us maybe can be done in such a way where uh, it makes you uh, more effective throughout the course of the week. It needs to be done in such a way that you can recharge. And so there's this element, but we're only here for a, a period in the day. I think what Sabbath also needs to look like for, for some of us is uh, if you are a blue-collar person and you're working with your, your muscles and your back's aching and you're working hard in that regard all week long, you should probably take a nap because that may, will make you more effective the next day. If you sit at a desk all day and stare at a computer screen or push papers around, then you need to go for a walk with your family. And that will make you more effective throughout the course of the week. If you're a blue-collar person and you're just completely exhausted, you've been just running hard, maybe you just need to sit down and and watch a movie with the kids or the, your wife, right? My kids w- w- snuggling on Sunday or Saturday is like the best thing that I could possibly do for them. Lay on the sofa or blow up the arrow bed and put it in the living room and just watch a movie. For them, that is incredible. And for me, I could use it, right? Just mindless, I'm watching Toy Story 3, and it's great. It's a good thing, and we need to, to do that. And for you, I just want to give you some thoughts with regards to how um, your, your Sabbath makes you more effective, right? More effective in vocation, whether it be at home, vocation, which many of you are 
we could say bivocational. You work at home with your family and you have uh, a career as well. And then the other thing I want us to see, and this is probably really big because I think a lot of us are probably sitting here hearing this with a lot of questions in our mind thinking it can't happen. You don't know my story. You don't know my situation. It can't happen. The last one here for you is this. The Sabbath is a step of faith. You need to understand that Sabbath is a step of faith. Mark 2, 28, what does Jesus say? He says, the Son of Man is the Lord even of the, the Sabbath. And many of us need to exercise faith in that Lord with regards to our Sabbath. It's for many of us a step of faith. Here's what I mean. Many of us, much like what I was doing before uh, my wife um, confronted me, um, many of us aren't taking a Sabbath. Many of us aren't, aren't resting. And the reason is is because we, we lack faith in him. Oftentimes, we're not resting, we're not Sabbathing because we don't have faith that God's in control and and, and as it says in the Psalms, that our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. You know what? He doesn't need you. The earth is going to continue to spin, and it's going to continue to rotate around the sun without you, right? And so we just don't have faith. We're, I have to continue on. I cannot stop at all. And listen, that's a lack of faith for you. Like, let the laundry sit for a day. Shut your laptop for a day. If your email goes unchecked, for a day, I promise you, God will still be uh, on his throne and, and things will still move forward. Students, um, I'll talk to our college students for a second here. Uh, shut the books for a day. And, and here's the thing. As we hear this, um, I, I can put myself in the position of a college student and say, no, it's impossible. Or I can put myself where I was even uh, seven years ago and say, it's impossible. I, I cannot not check my email. I have, they need me, right? And I, I have to do this, and I have to study, and I have to, I have to do the laundry, whatever. No, I don't do laundry. Whatever it is for you, right? And, and here's the thing. Everybody thinks they're the exception, don't they? Everybody thinks they're the exception. But my situation, I have to. Because and what you're saying is, in my situation, God can't handle it. And he can't. And it's a lack of, of faith for us. Now, again, I, I'm not trying to be legalistic here. Because as we've read even here in, in Mark chapter 2 and in Matthew 12 and in other occasions, um, God makes allowances, right? In Matthew chapter 12, it talks about how God makes allowances for even, even the priests. And so for me, what that looks like is my Sabbath is Monday. We call it Monday fun day for a family. We just shut everything down and just it's, it's an amazing day for my family. God makes allowances. But listen, don't be the person who, with regards to Sabbath, you think, I'm the exception to the rule. My situation is different because what that is is a lack of faith. And so don't be the student who, who thinks, I can't rest. I can't slow down. I can't be involved in corporate worship. This is common, right? So many students just don't go to church. Just flat out just don't go to church. I can't because of my school load, right? You need to take a step of faith. Don't be the parent who says, I can't participate in corporate worship because of my child, my situation, with my kid, I just, I can't do it. We need to take a, a step of faith. And I'm saying that as a parent. I understand. Listen, church as a parent, until your kids are like 15, church is never convenient for your kids as a parent. Never, ever. They always need a nap. They always are going to be loud. It's never convenient. But we need to stop making excuses because we need to take a step of faith and trust God. 
I'm not saying that if your kid's sick, bring them to church and infect all of them. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, listen, for so many of us, it becomes every single week, I cannot do this. Here's why. Here's my excuse. And you're saying, God cannot do this. And he can. Don't be the, the man or woman who works and never stops, says, because I have a big project due. I have a big project due. You always have a big project due. Always. You always have a board exam to prepare for. You always have this next level for qualification that you have. Always, always, I promise you, it never ceases until maybe you retire and live on a beach in Florida. It's never, there's always, always something to do. There's never a shortage of excuses for you to not to rest and for you not to participate in the Lord's Day and be with God's people. I, I'll, give you a, I'll give you some biblical proof for this. Exodus chapter 34, verse 21. This one just hit me right between the eyes uh, this week. Here's what God says. They're repeating the law and the, the Ten Commandments here in Exodus 34. It says this, for six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. In plowing time and in harvest you shall rest, God says. So in other words, God just puts an end to their excuses before they even start to say, but, but, but God, I can't. Here's why. He says, oh no, no. In, in plowing time and in harvest you shall rest. But God, don't you understand that during harvest, I mean, plowing time, things are slow, and yeah, I'll come to, but in harvest, I got to make the money, and I got to, I got to do it, right? And, and God says, oh, no, 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 even in harvest time, you shall rest. Always you shall rest. Always you shall rest. But God, I got to feed my family. Do you not trust me? Do you not understand that I'm the one ultimately who puts food in your family's mouths? Do you not trust me? Do you not trust the fact that I'm the one ultimately who's going to pay your bills? He says, here's a sock. Put it in your mouth because you need to rest. And what does scripture say? It says that his commands are not burdensome. In other words, he's saying this not to say, I'm just trying to be a killjoy because I hate you. No, it's because I love you and I know that you must rest. You must rest. Trust me. Exercise faith. And, and rest. And so they had to exercise faith and not work even when, look right there, I should pick that. <laughs> no, rest, rest, trust me. And that's, that, that goes for you and I. We have all kinds of different scenarios all across the room, but we need to rest. We need to exercise faith. And so I'll close with this challenge for us all. I want to close with a challenge for you to, to leave and to really take some time and, and really think about how you're going to rest. And really put thought, effort, energy into how am I going to rest. Right? To, to work at resting. So what is it going to look like for me moving forward? And, and how am I going to vacation with my I mean, think about that. What, what are we going to do six months from now with my family? To, to serve them, right? And, and rest with them to the glory of the Lord. How am I going to draw near daily to the Lord? I've told you this time and time again, but a goal without a plan is wishful thinking. So be so serious about God's word here that we'd say, okay, I'm really going to sit down. I'm really going to think at this. And then one more thing. A very powerful passage of scripture. Jesus says in, in Matthew chapter 11, Verse 29, he says this. He says, take my yoke upon you 
and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Here's the thing. There's that word rest again. Some of us in here have never come to Jesus, taken his yoke upon us. In other words, taking my burden of my sin and, and put, it, put it on Jesus, who took it upon himself on a cross and said, I'll exchange, I'll take yours. Theologians of old have called it the great exchange, that it's his righteousness for our unrighteousness, and we put our burden on him, and we take his burden on us. He says, when you do that, you will find rest for your souls. Here's what that is. That's eternal rest in the Lord. I love it. Revelation 14 says, for those who don't follow Christ, they have eternal unrest. But for those of us who follow Christ, we have eternal rest. Eternal rest in the Lord. And so some of us today need to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you've been fighting it for a while now, and it's time for you to say yes. I recognize my sin. I recognize my need for a savior and I, I give that to you and I let you take that upon yourself on the cross and I respond in faith and say yes I'm following you yes I'm trusting in you forgive me of all of that it's yours you've dealt with it I'm yours and come to Jesus and you will find rest for your souls so I want to close in prayer and I want to give you the chance to respond to God however you need to some of us need to confess to the Lord I am just not sabbathing at all I'm not resting at all and it's a lack of faith. Others of us in here need to say to the Lord, I'm coming to you and I'm saying yes to you and I'm receiving that, that rest for my soul that can only come through Jesus. So I'm going to give you the chance to respond. So why don't we close our eyes and just the best way you know how, just talk to the Lord and say yes to him if you need to. Confess to him as you, as you need to. I think all of us in here need to, need to talk to the Lord, myself included. So you pray, and then I'll, I'll close this. Father, I give my friends in this room to you. God, I, I pray that you would teach us to rest. Thank you for teaching me to rest, and thank you for how you're continuing to teach me to rest. I'm not great at it. Help me in it, Lord, so that you can be honored, so that I can be more effective throughout the rest of my week, so that my wife can know that I deeply love her the way you love the church and gave yourself up for her, so that my kids can be secure and loved and cared for and have a dad who's present. So I confess alongside of my friends in the room, help us, Lord. God, I pray too for those in this room tonight who have never given their life to Jesus, never come to you and receive rest for their souls. May they sincerely come to you tonight as you draw them. Work in their hearts, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.